0: Luke chapter 12, verse 13 onwards, as we do each week, we will start reading the Scripture. And I want to encourage you, you know, uh, every week when we are in these Scriptures, um, it, I could just read the Scripture and be done. It's that powerful, the way that the Scriptures are given for us are that powerful And that meaningful, that all you have to do is simply read the scripture and speak so well to us. So when we read these scriptures, when you follow along in your Bible, so when you're just listening to the words, listen carefully and say to the Holy Spirit, let these words, Lord, come alive to me. Let them be living and active. Let these words make a difference and a change in me. So we're reading Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself, or yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very interesting words and very... You know, the the way that the Lord speaks about possessions and how he lays out all of these, just a wonderful passage that helps us to understand a whole lot of things about possessions. But let me start to, you know, just break that down a little bit and, and explain a few points. But I want to do it in the context of the biblical money management seminar that we've done at the church. Some of you have had the opportunity to attend that and In that seminar, we talk about budgeting, about borrowing or debt, about investing, and about giving. And we also talk about a few other topics as such. But the whole point about managing money or managing resources well, begins with the notion of understanding this difference between stewardship and ownership. And so we have to change our mindsets to understand and to realize that we are not owners, but rather we're called to be good stewards of what belongs to God. Let me explain. In Psalm 24, verse 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Leviticus chapter twenty-five, verse twenty-three: the land must not be sold permanently, because the land is mine. This is God speaking, and you are but aliens and my tenants. In Job chapter forty-one, verse eleven, it says, "Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me." God speaking. And then let's make it personal. In first Corinthians chapter seven verses twenty two to twenty three it says, "For he who has called in the Lord for he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freedman of the Lord, likewise he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price, do not become bondservants of men and if that wasn't clear enough in first Corinthians chapter six and verse nineteen through twenty it says Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So let's make sure that we have this mindset firmly fixed in us. We don't belong to ourselves. And nothing we possess or that we claim to possess actually belongs to us. It belongs to God, ourselves, our bodies, our money, all these things belongs to God. And so, if we're not an owner, what are we? First Corinthians chapter four, verse one says, "This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ." and stewards of the mysteries of god and when we and remember as we've spoken about in the past when we use the word mystery we're not speaking about something that is unknown or somehow a puzzle or a mystery that cannot be solved but rather that these are revealed by the holy spirit and so we are servants and stewards of these very truths these biblical principles of how to even understand how to manage possessions, how to manage resources. And by the way, the steward is a word that comes primarily from feudal England, but a steward, in modern terms, is just a manager, an asset manager, a person who is taking care of the owner's resources, owner's belongings. So what does that mean for us in terms of our understanding of possessions? Our understanding of stewardship versus ownership will affect our understanding of material possessions. If we don't get this concept right, that I'm a steward, not an owner, God is the owner, I'm the steward, managing what He has asked me to manage. You'll notice these terms in the Bible and you'll notice the ways in which God speaks to us as servants and speaks to us of having done well, good and faithful servant. Why? Because He is the owner, He is the Lord, He is the King, and He's saying to us, take care of these things that I have put you in charge of. If we think of ourselves as owners, if we think we are the owners, we will make plans to account for what we consider to be our possession. If we think we are the owners, we'll make plans like the man in the story that Jesus spoke about. He said, I have so much grain, I've had a great harvest, I'm going to do this, I'm going to tear down these barns, I'm going to build bigger barns, I'm going to do these things, I'm going to eat, drink and be merry, I've laid up enough money for a long time, I'm in good shape. If we think we're the owners, we'll make plans according to our own thinking, we'll make plans as if these possessions are in our hand to control, or that the days of our lives are in our hand to control, or that we can do something to manipulate all of this stuff. So we'll say, it's up to me, let me make all these plans. And God speaks to this, off this man and says, you fool. Now again, the way that the Bible speaks about foolish people is those who will not acknowledge God. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. What the Bible says, so we're not speaking about ignorance or you know, just uh, uninformed, being uninformed about something, or just you know, not able to comprehend something intellectually. No, we're saying these are people who have rejected God, who have said, I can do this, it's up to me. And God says, That's foolish. If you think that this is up to you, it's foolish because tonight your life could be demanded of you. Then what? Then all these plans that you've made and these great things that you have tried to set up, who's going to have all that? Not you. And so if we think we're owners, we will make plans to account for what we consider to be our possessions. But if we realize we are stewards, we will inquire of the owner what he wants done with his possessions in our care. The owner has given certain possessions into our care. He has said, I'm trusting you with this much income, with these particular physical resources, with these particular things. And I am entrusting them to you so that you will be a good steward to take care of these things. If we realize we are stewards, then we will go back to God all the time. And we'll say, what should I do about this? What do I do about that? How do I raise my children? Because my children are a reward from the Lord. They are an inheritance, a resource as such, in a sense, not for you to do something, but the Lord has given them into your hand. You will go to the Lord to say, Lord, what do I do with them? Because they don't belong to me, they belong to you. You're the owner. You're the Lord of them. So how do I raise them up? Lord, I have a car that you have provided. How should I use it? Lord, I have a computer that you have provided. How do I use it so that the darkness in me is not, pardon me, the light in me is not darkness. I'm not getting something from these screens and from these resources that is contrary to you. But instead, Lord, how do I use these resources to glorify you? How do I use these possessions, these material possessions that really belong to you? How do I use them for your glory? How do I, Lord, do what you want me to do as your servant? So we will inquire of the Lord all the time for everything, not just what we consider to be spiritual things. Oh, I'll give to God what is God's, but I'll keep for myself what is mine. That's our tendency to think about things. And we say, all right, I even gave, you know, this much money to the church. All the rest of the money is mine. Or we may even say, I gave a full tithe. I gave 10% to the church, but 90%, hey, that's for me to decide what to do with it. No, the truth is, 100% 100% of it belongs to God. He has asked you to direct 10% at least into the storehouse, into the church, into the means of taking care of the things that need to be taken care of collectively and for us in as a local body. But he doesn't say, okay, now go do whatever you want with the 90%. He's saying, after having done all that, even as we were looking last week at, you know, what the Pharisees were doing. After they have been doing all of the tithing, God said, but you should do even more. You should be managing the rest of those resources according to my will, my word, my command to you. So if we are realizing that we're stewards, we will inquire of the owner what he wants to be done with his possessions that are given in our care. And then the Bible, as we have read through in this passage, makes it very clear. God knows what we need. He knows we need food and shelter and clothes and transportation he knows exactly what we need he's not ignorant of our needs so when we speak to him and he's speaking about this in these ways and saying look look even the birds are cared for and you know they have their food and they have their, their they have what they need how much more will your heavenly father not take care of you and the needs that you have i know what you need and so we look to god and we understand that He knows what we need to fulfill His plans. He knows what we need to live our lives in this earth. So our priority is not to pursue possessions, is not to go after the next big thing that we can acquire, the next thing that we can sort of possess, the next thing that we can boast about, but rather to seek the kingdom of God. That was Jesus' emphasis that is what he was pointing them to. He was talking to them about laying up treasure and to seek to have that treasure be identified with and in the kingdom of God, not in our own pursuits, not in the things of this world, not in the ways in which this world would try to, to cloud our thinking and our expectations. And so when we look at things in that way, When we consider things in that way and we understand that the kingdom of God is what Jesus is wanting us to prioritize and to pay attention to, we've got to remember that when we receive the kingdom of God, when Jesus says, I am giving you the kingdom, I am here and the kingdom of God is now in your midst, when He does that, when He gives us the kingdom, when He calls us as His sons and His daughters and He says, you are now citizens of my kingdom, we receive everything. There's nothing that we lack. There's nothing that would be for us where we have to say, oh, I have to go somewhere else for this this particular thing. God has provided for my spiritual needs, but my emotional needs, I need to go here. God has provided for my emotional needs, but my physical things, I got to go there. Or God has provided for my physical needs, but, you know, I need to go get something else met somewhere else. No. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. God has given us of Himself and of all his resources. Everything. Everything belongs to him. And he says, "I'm, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you all that you need. Now, keep in mind that even as we look at the other parables of servants and stewards and how the master deals with them and so on, God looks for us to be faithful for what he has entrusted to us. And he knows what we will or will not do. So God doesn't give unlimited number of things into our hands because He knows where our heart is and what our desires are and how we will use those resources. So He gives us those things that we need. He gives us those things that we have been faithful in. And as those parables speak about, to one who was given five talents, who took it, invested it, built it, doubled it, God said, here, I'm giving you some more. And as we remain faithful in these things, God continues to add to us. God continues to build us up. God continues to raise us up. We don't have to seek anything on our own. We don't have to say, how can I get to the next thing? How can I you know, advance? How can I get more? How can I possess more? But instead, we say, Lord, in your kingdom, if I'm following your command, then you will add everything. So that speaks to us about what, and how our hearts are. And I want to spend just a few minutes, sort of draw this out, illustrate this just a little bit, to consider what the heart-treasure connection in our lives are. You see, when we are in the world, our hearts belong to the world. Our hearts belong to the things of this world. Our hearts are influenced, our inner man is influenced by the things of this world the world, our own flesh, and the devil as such. But in particular, our hearts are deceitful, they're corrupt, they are sinful. When we come to know the Lord, the Lord Jesus says that He cleanses us and He renews us and washes us and makes us clean. However, I want to point out to you that there is a need for us to crucify, to put to death those desires of the heart that can lead us astray now when we pursue the desires of our heart we invest time effort resources and dreams what we think about how we consider things we invest all of that in what our heart desires whatever is the desire of our heart right it may be for power it may be for wealth it may be for pleasure it may be for some other prestige, position, whatever it may be. Whatever our heart desires, whatever we start to envy or have greed for, or are greedy for, that's what Jesus speaks about in this passage. He says, you know, greed, you know, you think that all these possessions are somehow going to give you something. What our hearts desire, we'll start to invest into. We'll invest our time, we will invest our efforts, we will invest the resources that we think are ours, And we will invest our thinking, our dreams, our ambitions. We'll say, oh, this is what I want to go after, right? Or I want to build this, I want to do this, I want to go there, I want to do this. And you will invest into that. As we do that, your investments that you're putting all that effort into do grow in value, in some sort of monetary sense, in material sense, and so... They become your treasure. But we also treasure, meaning we hold it precious, we hold it important. We start to treasure our investments, what we're putting our efforts into. And we say, oh, this, oh, this, oh, no. You know, you can take all this stuff from me, but don't you dare talk about this or touch this. And we get possessive about these possessions. And again, I'm not speaking only about material things. We can get possessive about our children. We can get possessive about our jobs. We can get possessive about ourselves. And we say, oh, don't speak about that. Don't speak against this. Because we start to think of these things as our treasures. You'll hear people even using those terms. They'll speak about it in those ways. And they'll say, this is so precious to me. This is what is most meaningful to me and they're not willing to give that up, they're not willing to lose it, they're not willing to see it being used for somebody else. It is something that becomes very, very possessive. So when you do all of this, our hearts are going in these ways, they're moving in this in this direction. Now, on the bottom there of the screen, I'll just put a little few graphics, but just a, a way to say that, you know, when our heart's desires move us this way, we're pursuing career, and we want you know, nice clothes and good cars and educations and fancy homes and expensive vacations. Not happening right now, of course. And then relationships and people speaking well of us and all sorts of social sort of, you know, status and so on. Now, again, I'm not saying you can't have a career. I'm not saying you can't have nice clothes. I'm not saying you should not buy a nice car. I'm not saying you shouldn't have an education or that you should, that you should live only in a small house or that you, know, you can't go on a vacation you know, or that you shouldn't be involved with people and have influence and impact. None of that. By all means, pursue all those things according to the will of God. But if those things become your primary focus, if those things are becoming what identifies you and what are possessing your thoughts, your attention, your everything, your heart now becomes divided. Your heart is now focused on money, on getting more money so that you can fund more of these things that you're pursuing. And it's a never-ending, never-ending quest. Jesus referred to Solomon in the passage that we read. Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, one of the wisest men that lived and one of the wealthiest men that lived, In Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10, he says, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. So you think that just by getting some money and getting some of these material things, hey, I'm in good shape, I'll do well, I'll be okay. No. They will take your heart away from the things of God and you will never be satisfied. So what does that lead us to? That means that we as children of God, we have to look to the Father who says, Fear not, little flock. Fear not, my little child. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You know, that desire of God that love that He shows us, that way in which He speaks to us and gives us of Himself, what could be better? It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And when we do that, when we receive the kingdom of God, when we understand that all the resources of the world are available to us by and from the owner of all of those resources, then we're able to resonate with this statement that we read. Wherever your treasure is, what you treasure, what you think is valuable, what you think is precious, wherever your treasure is, and then whatever you have invested in, your time, your effort, your funds, everything else you put into that, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Are you struggling with the desires of your heart? Do you condemn yourself? Do you say, oh, I shouldn't be thinking like this. I shouldn't be feeling like this, but oh, I can't help it. I, you know, I have all these. No. Start to invest in the things of God, in God, in the relationship with God. And you will find that you are investing into treasure in the kingdom of God. And where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your desires of the heart start to shift. They go to where the treasure is. They will follow that treasure. So invest into the things of God. Give yourself wholly to the things of God. Yesterday in the Men's Fellowship, we were speaking about the fact that the Bible, you know, as much as the world would speak about balance, the Bible actually speaks about imbalance, it says that we are to give ourselves to God completely. Spirit, soul, and body. Everything that is in us. With all that is in us, we worship Him. We, 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 we are, there's no middle ground with God. It's not, I will, God, I'll be with you for three days a week. The, the other four days, I'm on my own. Or maybe even more generous, I'll give you four days of my week, three for myself. It's not, you know, I give you a tithe of my time. I give you a tithe. No, it's God says, give me everything, all of it. Give me everything. And when you give everything to God, God will add all the other things. God steps in to say, I know what you need. I'll take care of it. And there is a rest. There is a contentment. There is a peace that guards our hearts because we're able to say, God, you are the one that has given me your kingdom. It is your good pleasure to have given me your kingdom. And so, you know, This morning, I want to encourage you. This is not a message of condemnation in the slightest. This is a message of encouragement. Let's be good stewards. Let's understand who we are and what we actually have in our hands or what God has given us. But let us respond to the Lord in these ways to say, Lord, where's my heart? What should I do? How do we pay attention to your word and to your will? And how do we respond? When we respond to the Lord, we give Him our heart. And we say, Lord, our heart, You give us Your kingdom, I give You my heart. I give You everything. I give You my whole being. It's not split apart and, and you know divided. My loyalties are not divided. It's not that the desires of my heart are pursuing these things of the world. But no, Lord, instead, as You give me all of this, I give You all of me. And when we do that, when we respond to God in those ways, then there are two statements I want to make here. That we would commit to being faithful stewards of what belongs to God. We would commit to being faithful stewards, not owners, stewards of what belongs to God. And secondly, we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, trusting God to provide all that we need. Don't run after anything. Don't be living in fear. Oh, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know if I've saved enough for retirement. I don't know what'll happen to my children. Oh, I better do this. I better do that. I better hold on to that. I better hold on to this strongly, tightly, because I don't know when I'll lose it. You know, and some people hold on to stuff even when they've got plenty, because there's that spirit of poverty, there's that fear, there's that anxiety. They have not given to the Lord all that is theirs or all of themselves. We, but when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we can trust God to provide for all that we need. We can trust God to take care of all the situations and all of our needs for our children and our grandchildren and the generations, and the legacy that is there you know, before us. We can trust Him. In First Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 to 10, and then verse 17 through 19, I want to read this to you, as you're looking at these words on the screen, and as we're considering how we respond. I want to read from 1 Timothy, chapter 6, which says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. and pierce themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be joyful. But He gives us the pleasures that are from His right hand. He gives us the ways to enjoy. Command them, the people in this world, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take Hold off the life that is truly life. What a great encouragement for us. I encourage you to go and read these passages again at home, or again afterwards, and just go through these scriptures. Just a wonderful way in which the Word speaks to us. And so, in response to the Lord, we commit, we seek first, we look to Him, but we also want to apply And this week, and going forward really, I would encourage you, take careful inventory of your possessions and determine if there's anything you have been holding on to as if you are the owner. Determine if there are any possessions that are actually possessing you. Just go through, do an inventory. And like I said, not just material things, relationships, people, all sorts of stuff attitudes, anything, fears, whatever it may be, are there things that you have been holding on to as if you are the owner? Sometimes even holding on to your fears as if you own that. I've got to take care of this. If I don't think about this, who will? Now, determine if there are any possessions that are possessing you. And then, be a good steward of your spirit, of your soul, and your body. That means that you're willing to say, Lord God, this week, this month, rest of my life, what is an area of in my spirit that I need to give you ownership of, that I need to acknowledge your ownership of and live according to that? What is an area in my soul that I need to commit to you? What is an area in my body that I need to release? When I started to work when I was about 21 years old, I got out of college, started a job. I was so happy that I was earning my own income and so on. And I bought a car. It was a Toyota Corolla. It wasn't a luxury vehicle or anything like that. But it was my car. And I thought of it as mine. I was so happy with it. I loved it. I drove it around. And I, was, I enjoyed it. Just nine months after I got that car, somebody came and rear-ended me so hard that the frame was damaged and the car was totaled. And I was standing outside the car. I had gotten out of the car and looking at the damage in the front and back and everything else. The car got pushed in the front too. And, and I looked at it and I thought, I have held this car as if it was mine, as if it was for me, my possession. And I said, oh God, please help me not to hold on to these things, as if I'm the owner. I give these things to you. Lord, help me to replace this and do what's necessary. And because the the other person was the one who hit me, the insurance covered it, I got a replacement Corolla. But that day forward, I mean, at that time, I said, I'm not going to hold on to these things. I can't claim these things for myself and say I own them. I need to hold them very loosely. But there may be other examples in your life There may be other things in your life that you're holding on to. Maybe things that you've held on to for a long time. And maybe things that you have become very possessive about. Guard your hearts. Examine your hearts. Let the Holy Spirit bring revelation. And you say, Lord, what do I need to turn over to you? What do I need to give to you so that you will work through me to be a good steward? Possessions. Jesus warned against possessions having control of us, possessing us. And he said, you, you, you know, his, his word in this passage that we read was, you go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. Why? So that there won't be any possessions that are holding you. Let's be people who are able to respond to the Lord in these ways, who receive the kingdom of God. And by the way, look, I am not saying to you, you will live impoverished for the rest of your life. No. In fact, I'm saying the very opposite. I'm saying, you give yourself and everything to God you trust Him, you receive the kingdom of God, you'll have all that you need. You won't. I'm not saying to you, tomorrow you'll be a millionaire. I am saying to you, you will be content. You can have the godliness with contentment that will be great gain for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that Your Word is complete, that it is powerful, that it speaks to all of our needs. And I thank You, Lord, that Your Word today reminds us of how we need to handle or deal with possessions lord all kinds of possessions and i pray father that we would be mindful of how your word instructs us to think of ourselves not as owners because all of this belongs to you and instead to be realizing that we are stewards stewards who will manage the owner's resources according to the direction of the owner. What the owner wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it, with whom he wants to do it, not according to our thinking. So Lord, I pray that you will guide us in these days, Lord, so that possessions will have the right place in our hearts. So that possessions, Lord, would never be causing our hearts to be divided or to be disloyal to you. But rather, our hearts would be where our treasures are. And our treasures our greatest treasure will be you, will be your kingdom, will be our life in you, will be eternity with you. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. We pray this and ask for your Holy Spirit to work in us in these ways. In Jesus' precious name, amen.